0: Hello, everyone. Demetrius Gelatis here with Josh Burble. How's it going, Josh? It's going good, Dan. Excellent. We're here with the uh, Q It Up Network. Uh, this is Demetrius. I'm with MN Pool Bootcamp, uh, pool training here since uh, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Established. Maybe I should lose that. It doesn't really build a lot. <laughs> Maybe I'm supposed to wait until I hit like three or four years before I start talking yeah. about what I, you know, the old fashioned swinging sign of when I was established. Yeah. Too soon. Okay. Um, well, let's see. We're uh, we're excited, man. Uh, I'm excited to to do a pod. It seems like it's hard to go a month without having just a laundry list of stuff that I think would be fun. And I have a lot of conversations with you and with my students. That are like, man, this, I wish we could record this. So mm-hmm. I've been looking forward to this one. Uh, what we have on the docket today: the tale of um, kind of like different ways, tale of you know two two different enjoyments of the game, um, short term and long term you know, the, the short-term kind of intrinsic pleasure hitting balls in. And then there's enjoyment that people get from being kind of on a, on a journey and and striving towards goals and a bigger picture over a longer period of time. So we've got some things we're going to sort out about that. Uh, the things that we've seen up, seen from the people we know, the, the people that we look to, what we're trying to do. Things we've lived through. Yeah. And then how people get out of balance one way or another. It's kind of interesting. And But, uh, as a warm-up topic, I want to, I just wanted to mention something that's happened. Well, here, why don't we talk about what's, what's been new with you, Josh, anything new with pool or life that you want to share with the pod over the last few weeks? Have you been hitting (laughs) any balls?
1: Not really. No, I've been busy with work. Like we're in a busy season with my business right now. So I've been kind of buried and recommitted and things like that, but I do get out at least once a week and I uh, play with my friend Anthony and so we hit balls and things. So, so it's good. Yeah. And then we got a plan today to match up with a guy, which is going to be fun.
0: Yeah, we're going to be playing a little scotch doubles on our side against his singles. Yes. And uh, we're going to have a lot. We're going to have a lot of fun. What is that? What is that? Vince says that. He opens up his. uh, Yeah. Let's let's play. Let's play. (laughs) Okay, that's good. Um, Well, yeah, I'm trying to think. I haven't really been doing anything special with pool. I've just been, you know, sometimes I get to play a few sets with my students when they, you know, before we get going. And so I've had some fun little practice sessions, but uh, nothing, nothing too special. I have been um, busy too, you know, busy, busy. And uh, I want to thank everybody for, uh, for coming out. So I've had a, you know, my 2022 is almost booked. I've got like one or two slots left in December, but uh, just tremendous, um, tremendous response. And I couldn't do what I do without people that were hungry about pool. And I got, you know, a number of emails since our last podcast where we were making, you know, making our plans public about our uh, pool club that we're working on and uh, really warm responses from people that, some people that would like to be part of the club, some people that would like to be part of the training. And so really looking forward to that. So thanks everybody for for reaching out and uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, okay, so something that's came up with my last student, again, I do pool training, I'm, I am a little booked for a while, but I'm going to be, um, you know, once I, you know, soon I'll have more spots open here. Uh, I still got a couple in December, I'll have some spots open for 2023 pretty soon. Uh, but, uh, if you have any questions about what I do, you can find me on my website, mnpoolbootcamp.com. MN stands for Minnesota. So mnpoolbootcamp.com. But,
1: I just uh, go, ahead. go ahead. I just wanted to, I was thinking about it too, Demi. Like I sent you a text on this, you're crushing content, man. Like I'm following the stuff that you're so Dem Dem has a, a page Facebook group for all former students and things. And, uh, people put up, uh, runouts or questions or just a lot of different things. And I've seen you pop in and have comments and yeah, Dem is like, this is like a brilliant pool mind. And has a really, really, really good written skills and really can explain things well. And uh, I don't know, man, you're just, you're awesome. You've just been killing it and crushing it. And, uh, and then you did that video about the luck versus, uh, skill versus skill equity. I mean, it, you're just, you're killing it. So I, I, uh, it's obviously I told you that, but I just want to tell your, tell your listeners that too, if you can, if you can find information about them, either through his website or through YouTube or, um, you have old, old older coaches, corners, people could, could dig into, I mean, there's just so much gold out there from you. And I just uh, would encourage everyone to look,
0: look and listen to all of it. Oh, thanks, Josh. You know, I, so I, I, most of the the content quote unquote that I do, it's not really content. It's a, I, it is, I'm sorry. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not trying to like correct you, but I just. I don't want to set people's expectations the wrong way. There's a lot of great content creators like you know, little Chris or Neil Stan that do, you know, lots of different cool content. Uh, whereas what I'm mostly doing is I've got that for the people that have trained with me, I've got that private group where we're doing like ongoing training. And so I could I do on an ongoing basis. I'll review different videos that they send in of themselves playing so that we can continue to make strides, uh, strides, strive to make strides. <laughs> I was kind of in between those. Yeah. Anyway, uh and uh, And so what, what a lot of times will happen is it's amazing how you see patterns come up with like where a certain player is struggling. you know you can watch one one race to seven against a ghost, and you might see something that really over you know you see that half their errors come from the same leak in their game, and then you can give them specific feedback and stuff to work on that's going to hit that uh, so that's what we do is pretty cool it's not content in the sense that I don't want people to passively consume it where they're just sitting back and you oh, know just teach me something and eating cheetos it's sluggish it's like I want them to be actively like setting up the runs that they messed up and trying them again, the way I describe or working on the drills that I give them for feedback. So it's more interactive, but along the way I'm gonna make a few of these things that we do public. So I've got a YouTube channel. If you search MN pool bootcamp on YouTube and I just did that skill versus lock equity. Uh, That was kind of a fun one. I I didn't really intend for that to be public, but then I just eh, flipped a switch. So I might start doing like maybe a 10th of my, you know, a 10th of the stuff that I record for my group. Maybe I'll just make a little bit of it public. So feel free to subscribe or tune along. I met like 400 subscribers because I've actually not really, I wasn't really interested in like being an influencer or growing a YouTube channel uh, or trying to make content. That's not really my thing, but I'll tell you, it would be kind of cool to get four figures and you know what it just i don't know it's kind of fun
1: i and i think all i was saying them is that like
0: for their sake for their sake man. (laughs) like
1: honestly like if if you go into az billiards and you simply search tin man and go through all your old posts i mean you're gonna learn so much about pool and approach to pool and mental game and everything it's just like there's just you just have like a bunch of gold out there or if they catch some of your release content on youtube Mm -hmm. or some of your Mm -hmm. old coaches corners or things or old podcasts I mean there's just so much gold and all that stuff so that's all I'm just trying to encourage people to
0: No, yeah and I just it was weird because I had an interesting experience which is that last video got like 2700 views in like 24 hours which I don't I don't really make YouTube content so when that happened I'll tell you Josh I was a little embarrassed because it was kind of exhilarating it was like like I normally it's like I get like 100 views or something because just you know a few people but all of a sudden it had like thousands of views right away and I was like I am important. <laughs> and it was, it was a little bit of a rush. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And immediately I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if I could do this. Cause like his confession time, like I'm a very, you know, compulsive, addictive, like, you know, it doesn't, obviously I'm a little bit out of balance with who I am. And anyway, I'm like, man, this is, this is a slippery slope for me. Like in six months, I could be like, you know, go like Hollywood director where oh, I, wow. I lose all my friends and start like some kind of, you know, start some kind of like, you know, alcohol addiction. Cause I'm just He's trying to be famous all of a sudden. <laughs> that explains the
1: scarf that Demi's wearing right now. And the beret. He's got yeah. a beret and a scarf on right now. So now it all makes sense. It's
0: all coming clear. Okay. So uh, maybe I'll clip this next part and put it on a coach's corner. So I have seen something come up where people make the wrong diagnosis for a particular symptom. And that symptom is unwanted spin on the cue ball. So I've seen it where sometimes people get down and shoot a shot and they have spin on it, that they didn't mean kind of like when we were just playing scotch doubles and I We'll have to do that really thin cut because I didn't mean to put that inside on there. Anyway, um, so, okay, so what – this doesn't really happen to you much, Josh, but at the, at the level where a lot of players are, like five to 600 Fargo and, and lower, they get a lot of unwanted spin. And what do you think – what diagnosis do you think they'd make when they get unwanted spin on their cue ball? What do you think they think that means? Okay, I'm, I'm guessing. Yep. I'm thinking
1: that they think they need to go closer to center. Like take, like, that's, that's one thought that I had not saying that that's correct, or that's what they're doing, but I could see a person saying, well, I'm going too far on the edge or something like that. Okay. Whereas I think it's an accuracy issue. Like it's just a striking issue.
0: Fair um, enough. But go, what do you, what are you So most people think that it's a fundamental issue with the way they see center and the way they get on the ball and the way, you know, so like they think that I'm getting on the ball wrong and I don't see the center of the ball correctly. And so so then the, what they think is it's all about sighting stance, sighting stroke, you know, it's all about yeah. sighting. That never crossed my mind. Cause okay. I don't, I don't. Uh, you, okay. Tell them what your thoughts are about sighting and stance and stroke.
1: Yeah. Hit in the hole. Like basically, like I just, I just, I've never been a fundamentals or like a, a sighting or a aim systems or anything like that. I've just always like when I was a kid, I asked the guy, how do I pocket the balls better? And he froze the cue ball on top of another ball and said, shoot that a thousand times. And it's like, so that's what I did. Like he was a better player than me. So I did that. And it just helped me to hit the ball straighter and, and, and just kind of really have to stay still. Right. If you're frozen on top of a ball and you're, and you're shooting a long shot. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I, I just look at it. We've had these conversations about fundamentals and everything like that. It just blows my mind when you say that to me, because for me personally, I just, I didn't grow up that way. I don't think that way. I don't, I, I think more like when you say hitting too much English, I think they're not hitting in the right spot, you know, or un, they're like, I don't think of a fundamental arm drop or some sort of sight thing or aim thing. I think about like
0: work and learn how to hit the ball accurately. So, but go ahead. I'm yeah, on. no, this is cool. So the, there's actually, there's kind of two different questions. One is how do you diagnose what the problem is? And then the second question is how do you fix it? So the first one is what I wanted to talk about, but we can talk about the second one, which is suppose suppose somebody is getting on the ball wrong so that every time they try to hit center ball, like for example, every time they shoot a stop shot, they end up with the cue ball spinning three to five times in place with the same left spin on every shot. And every time they try to shoot center, it ends up with some left spin. Then there is a problem, right? That's not mm-hmm. what they're trying to do. So then in that case, then it might, if it's, so here's what I'd say is if it's, if it's every single shot they shoot, they're putting left spin on it, then maybe there are some issues with how they're getting on the ball or seeing the ball or something. I mean, something's yeah. causing that, yes. right? Yeah, for sure. So then there's then there's two ways to fix it. There's, the, there's working on the fundamentals to try to get the center ball hit you're looking for. Or there's what you're saying, which is set up shots where if you don't hit center, you miss, and then shoot them until you make them. And, and I like what you're saying and may, maybe there's room for both. I don't know. I'm not like, I don't have all the answers, but I think what most people do is what you're saying, you know, what you're saying is what most people do is the wrong way, where they're going to leg the cue ball to the head rail and back and try to hit the tip of their cue or they're going to try to shoot stop shots and beat themselves up every time they're off center. And they're going to start worrying about their head and their stance and their stroke. Whereas what you're saying is, what if you just set up a straight shot where you're over a ball and just shoot it, shoot it, shoot it until you start making it. And instead of trying to manually control, the, the way your body is to try to, instead of trying to build your body so that the ball magically goes in, just try to keep making the ball until your body figures it out without you. That is exactly how I approach it, Demi. And I'm not saying that
1: everybody needs to approach it that way. I'm just saying that that's my school of thought. And the reason why I'm, I don't know if I'm an anti-fundamentalist, I just made that word up, but like, I don't know if I'm an anti-aim system. I probably am honestly a little bit. And maybe because I feel like, um, I'm so protective against putting people down rabbit holes that are gonna get them more frustrated and more confused and not feel like playing. And it's it's and then there's also the shortcutty element of it too. So it's like I just tell tell them what that means because I think I know
0: what you mean. Shortcutty element. Well, like people I try to find, a, people, are to find a,
1: people are trying to find a magic bullet so they can start playing and winning and people work better, people yeah. work
0: ten times harder than they need to trying to find an easy road. Yeah. And if they, just, if they just were stupid and said, I'm just going to keep shooting it until I'm out. And I guess what I think is, is that... Did you just uh, call me stupid? No, I'm just kidding. I think so. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was hoping... I didn't think you'd pick up on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not smart enough okay. to pick up on that. <laughs> okay, there's levels to this. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, so what... No, okay, so what I would say is, is that there this game is so complicated that... And, and I've actually... I was going to save this for a different debate about the value of systems versus you know, feel, systems versus feel, that's another conversation. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is, is that there are people who believe that systems are always advantageous and that the more you know, the better you're gonna perform and the, the better the better picture you're gonna have in your mind of how things are gonna work. That there's a narrative that says, the more systems I know, the more quickly I'm gonna learn and the better I'm gonna perform and having a better picture of what actually happens is gonna to lead to an advantage, blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't agree with that underlying thesis. And, and so the more information, you know, is not always better. Um, for example, like NBA stars, they're not out there like measuring, you know, barometric pressure and they're not out there measuring humidity and they're not out there calculating like what phase the moon is and how that's going to affect the gravitational pull and influence the arc of their basketball. Like that's not what they're doing because you, so if you were to say, well, that's more information, more information is useful, right? It's like, no, that's not useful um, because there's. There's also a cost to that, which is it's a distraction from what really matters. Uh, You know, so anyway, that's a whole different conversation than the one I wanted to have, which is what are the pros and cons of using systems? And what are the pros and cons of, quote unquote, getting a lot of information? And as an instructor, I'm supposed to be all pro information. I'm supposed to. And I deal with a lot of people that are like really trying to educate themselves and learn, 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 because they think that knowledge is going to equate to performance. And I should be the one toting that most instructors are all about knowledge knowledge i'm like no i'm about performance 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 and so okay so getting back to like the deciding and over a ball stuff if you think that the knowledge if you think that you have to consciously figure out what your body, you know, why are you hitting off center? If you're like, I, this is a biomechanical issue and I can solve it. uh, Yeah, exactly. It's very, 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 very smug and overconfident, which is like, I'm in control of my body and I understand that there's a problem and I'm going to figure out why my body is making this problem. And then I'm going to fix it. And then I'm going to be perfect at the end of it. It's like, no, you're not good enough to diagnose it. You're not good enough to fix it. You're probably not as in control as you think. And this is way more complicated than you think because everything affects everything. and 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 the problem is there's a cost there's a cost to getting controlling. There's a cost to getting in, you know, to try to start to consciously control things that should be kind of more automatic and subconscious. There's a cost to starting to try to understand the process of aiming and the process of setting up on balls and the process of how you line up your cue and how you hold your cue and where, where your elbow is and all this. When the more you start thinking about it, the more you start tinkering with it, the more you start trying to control it like this can either be, it can either be an automated process that works magically and then, if it has a problem, you just focus on visualizing the result you want and let it fix itself magically. Or you can try to manually control it and crush the soul out of the game and be, you know, be controlling and ineffective. Like that's kind of, I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think. And then the only other thing I'd, I'd, I'd
1: add, Gummy, is that whew, the people, it's a, it, 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 if you're trying to be like Mr. Biomechanics and fix everything through, the, through, through that way, my opinion is, okay, I come from a golfing background too. My opinion is there's not enough information in pool. Um, there's not a PGA a training facility with computers and everything like that. And uh, video and, and, and uh, you know, done through, through like, there's not like a heavy duty research element to pool. There are guys that are out there selling things and, and trying to get people to buy their systems or their packages of training let's say and i just i'm i'm very cautious because there's there's not there's not enough research and science and information behind it whereas if you were saying i'm going to go play golf and i'm going to work with a pj instructor and they're going to bring out a camera and they're going to work on my swing well there's hundreds of millions if not billions of dollars of research behind that and so i can get more on board with that with pool I haven't seen that. And so I'm very cautious about people and, and, and looking for those answers and people that are preying on people looking by selling those answers, because I don't think those answers are as cut and dry and as established as potentially they are with the golf swing. I don't think the pool swing is as developed.
0: Yeah. It would be like, if you had a car Uh, like an exotic race car from, you know, a German race car, sports car, if there was some guy that was like 65 years old, and he has built and restored race cars his whole life, and he's worked, he's built these things from the ground up, and he knows everything that there is to know about, about that type of sports car, maybe you can let the guy work on it. But if what you've got is a few mechanics that are, you know, smoking pot waiting for three o'clock in the afternoon, and just kind of like, disengaged listening to music wrenching on stuff randomly and making like real surface level superficial diagnosis and just like oh it's not running right We'll just crank this and they start banging on stuff like you wouldn't want to take your car to them and i feel like with golf it's like very 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 refined where they have the whole picture i mean some of these leading you know maybe there's enough information out there to where they can make a complete diagnosis whereas in pool you've got a bunch of guys kind of running around like you know, with like one little tidbit, like you should stand this way or you should make sure you have clearance here. Or you should make sure that your eyes like this, or have you tried, you know, stepping into the shot like this. And if you're just out there, you know, trying to figure it out, it's it's just going to probably make things worse. So and any, yeah, no, go on, sorry. So,
1: no, that's it, man. And that's, that's all I would cautious pe- ca- caution people about is that it's not all or nothing, right? There are biomechanical answers to physical things that are happening with the pool swing, but I just don't know who knows those answers. And I, I don't know, that uh, like, I personally haven't met anyone that's had all those answers or knows those answers or seen anyone like creating content with those answers. And so how can it be that there's this like zombie army of people that think that they're gonna find those answers and then they're gonna play perfect, you know, or play, increase their game so much.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that it's not all or nothing, but what I would say is, is that if, okay, let's, let's look at two extreme examples of somebody trying to fix a flaw in their game that they know is a flaw. So let's just say every time they shoot a stop shot, they've got it spinning with left spin. And that's just, they don't know why. Well, if they have hit that shot for five years, an hour a day, and they're still spinning it with left spin, trying to like ask their body to figure out how to hit center at some point, if they've put in 5,000 hours of hitting stop shots and they're still spinning it with left spin, I think somewhere along the way, they can say, Hey, maybe I'll post on AZ billiards. Like, has anybody ever had this problem? What, was there anything that helped you figure it out? Uh, You know, was there any drill you did that helped that? Was there any, any, you know, was there anything to, you know, I mean, at some point, you know, if it's been five years, but here's the problem. And I know what the problem is, is that if somebody's hit five shots in a row with left spin, And they, you know, they're trying to stop the ball. They've hit five shots in a row with left. If they immediately jump on AZ billiards and say, well, I got to fix this. It's like, well, wait a second, somewhere between five shots and 5,000 hours. There's a spot at which maybe you can start tinkering with something or opening your mind to some new information uh, or asking somebody, you know, what they think, if they've ever had that problem. I just feel like most people immediately, I'm going to control this, figure it out and fix it. Whereas I think to your point, you're like, well, I shot a thousand balls over a ball and never had that problem. And so I feel like, I feel like most people go right to, I'm going to gather information and manually fix this. Whereas that for like me and you, that's like the last resort.
1: Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. And I am a, I know a guy that hit a shot for probably 15 years with left spin me with the break. And so I could not hit a flat break for years and years and years and years. And so I, I sat there with a break rack and I hit thousands and thousands and thousands of break racks. And there's something that my body does that I deliver the cue through and I think I'm going straight and the cue goes and hits low left. And so finally I made an adjustment. I aim low, right. And I hit center ball and now I'm crushing the break and I I'm flat on the break and I'm not spinning the cue ball. And it's like, it's just, I, I, you know, I, there was no answer out there. There's no instructor that I could go to that could, that could videotape my swing quote unquote, and say, this is what you're doing wrong. And this is how you fix it. And so like that was my experience, Demi, is I, I just, and aimed, that's a great, you know.
0: and so, so I think that right now there's like, you know, 20% of the listeners are purists who are shuddering because they're like, wait a second. So you're, you're somehow something you're hitting off center and your fix is to aim at the wrong spot on the cue ball and just budget for the correction. Like you're supposed to figure this all out and then find a way so that you can aim and hit exactly where you're looking. And your body does exactly what you want it to. And this is like, they're shuddering right now, but here's the thing. Josh is breaking better than any, like, I've never seen a break this good in my life. And it's been like a month or two straight now, every several months of him crushing the rack at 22 miles an hour and exploding the rack and making two balls and getting shape. So it's like, at some point you've got to ask yourself, and this kind of goes into our preview of our, uh, not our narrative, but like what we're going to be talking about, like, but like, which do you want to be? Do you want to be better? Or do you want to, do you want to get better? Or do you want to be right? Do you want to get better? Or do you want to do it your way? Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a life thing too. I've heard that in marriage a lot, where they're like, "Well, do you want to be married, or do you want do you want to be right? Do you, to want, happy right or do you want to be right? Do you want yeah. to be right, or do you want to be happy?" And it's like yeah. people that want to be right, and it's like it's, I don't want I don't yeah I'd like to get better, but I want to get better my way. And yeah. here's the way I think it ought to work. And I, I I want to I want to I want to figure out why my body does what it does, make it do it the way I want it to, and then see improve that way. And and there's a reason for that is because there's a certain payoff people get from they get off on being in control of it all, and they like to be in control of it all. And it takes a certain amount of surrender and humility to say, I don't know why this is happening. And I don't know that I can fix it. And I don't know that I'm smart enough and capable and competent enough to like gather information and troubleshoot and come out the other side. Perfect. Cause I'm so smart. Like, I don't know that that's the case. So let's just be humble and say, I'm not that smart. I'm not that good. So let me just try to do it the stupid way and just hit balls until my body figures it out. Cause I'm not smart enough to.
1: Yeah. And I, that's kind of the way I approach it. And then. With, and then it with, works. And then yeah. it works. It works for me. It has worked for me. And when I was a golfer, I took professional lessons and, and I had some bad lessons and I would go to the lesson. And I'd be like, nah, doesn't make sense. Doesn't fit with me. And then I found one or two really good instructors and I just shoved my chips in with them and they gave me drills to do every week. And my handicap would just, it just raced down because once I had like the correct things to work on the correct drills, cause, cause golf is really a mechanical, you know, the swing is a very mechanical thing. I mean, Jim Furyk is, is probably the, the one-off guy that has a real loopy weird swing. And there are some guys that don't have as perfect a swings, but in general, the golf swing is pretty, pretty established. Um, so, so anyways, yeah, I don't, I'm just trying to say like, I'm not against instruction. I'm not against mechanics. I'm not against fundamentals, quote unquote. I just, I'm real cautious with it. And then ultimately you know, I talk about golf and Ben Hogan dig it out of the dirt. Like that's kind of my mindset. And I just, that's, that's more where I lean. Cause I see people that are looking for these quick answers and I see people selling them, trying to sell them quick answers. And that just frustrates me. And that just makes me, you know, it makes me not sad, but like, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, me. so to kind of conclude, uh, what, what we're saying is instead of trying to manually figure it out and fix it all, be aware of it. And then instead of trying to be in control and fix it, Figure out there are sometimes there's certain things you can work on in terms of drills or certain shots that force you to, you know, they I, I, I say this a lot necessity is the mother of invention. So, Josh mentioned shooting overballs. So, you know, shooting overball shots for all, you know, just putting an hour shooting overball shots until you figure out how to make the ball go in and then letting your body figure it out instead of trying to make it figure it out the way you want to figure it out. And, um, and that, and that there's a balance between gathering information. And trying to, you know, make manual adjustments versus making intuitive kind of, you know, feely adjustments and letting your body make the adjustments. And most people are way, way, way out of balance on trying to manually control everything. And pool is a game uh, that trying to manually control your your body is just not effective. And this goes right back to inner game of tennis, self one, self two, self one's the controller, self two's the doer, self one's the teller. And there's many, many, many things about the best, you know, the best ways to learn are trying to bypass self one and the conscious brain as much as possible, uh, trying to minimize the conscious brain's role. And so, you know, and, and as the, as an analogy, I've been using more and more self one, the teller, the thinker, the eye is like the dad and self two the performer is like a little league player playing baseball. And it's like, what relationship does the dad and the little league player have, uh, you know, and, and how do they, how do they work when, when the little league players at bat. And so that's a really good, analogy for how you should be looking at your pool game. So if you think that you're going to tell yourself, I know what steps I have to take, and then I'm going to manually control myself. And I know that if I step into the shot this way and make sure my eyes in this spot and my arms in that spot, and then I make sure I excel, that would be like saying, you're going to have a dad child team where every time the kid goes to play baseball for the rest of his life, the dad's going to be standing behind him on the plate saying, Now remember, swing your bat and make sure you come up on the bat and make sure you keep this and make sure you're doing that. Now don't drop your bat. Make sure you follow through. Like nobody would ever suggest that this is a great coaching strategy, is so that the dad's going to sit there with a longer and longer and longer list of crap and then try to like remind the kid to do all that on every shot while the kid is up at bat. Like everybody understands that no, that's not the dad's role. The dad's role. Can be to set him up with the right coach, give him a couple things to swing, let him hit it a few times. You know, occasionally give some very gentle feedback and some very gentle guidance. But a lot of times, just have the kid doing certain techniques or drills that are going to help him develop the areas he needs to. And basically, play the 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 minimal. The question: How involved should the dad be? And the answer is like the minimum, the least amount possible. The least amount possible. That the dad's going to sabotage far more careers than he's going to help. So. I have a little
1: league player. My yeah. mommy started playing baseball Yeah, and you're just like, nobody does that. And I'm like, everybody does that. Like I I sit in the stands and I, like on the sides <sighs> and I watch and I'm like, this one kid's up to bat and his dad is sitting on first base and he's just screaming instructions at the kid when he's batting. And then the kid, the, the one of the coaches behind him, which they're coaching and they're trying to teach. I get it, but it's like, you know, do this, and he's got like four different things that he's telling him to do, and and uh, you know, because everybody wants the kid to hit the ball, and and uh, I just, yeah, I, I just watch my kid play, and I go out and like for me, the best thing I can do is <laughs> that's funny. Volume with my kid, yeah. I bring him out, and I put I bought a catcher's mitt and I have him pitch, and I'm like, just pitch, just pitch, just pitch, just keep pitching, just keep pitching. And there's little tricks I'll do. I'll set up garbage cans. So like there's a small zone that he needs to hit or I'll, uh, you know, give him a pointer once in a while, like, Hey, you need to throw to the glove, that kind of a thing once in a while, but it's very, very sparing to me. It's like hardly at all. It's mostly just get out there and do it. And let's have fun. And let's play. And you'll figure it out. Let your body figure out how to make this thing happen. So,
0: yeah. And, and, and the problem is, is that too many parents are living through their kids' accomplishments and their kids' you know, the prestige as a parent. So you've got the ego of the parent that's feeding on the, the, the you know, society's ratings of their kids. Uh, and 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 so then they're, they identify with it, and they're controlling about it. And the same thing happens with pool where people are getting off on, I am so smart and I am on this journey. And, and this ties in a little bit with narratives that we've talked about in the past, but it's also going to tie in a little bit with what we're talking about today, which is too many people are playing a game where it's like, Look at how smart I am. Look at how cunning I am as far as my strategy of improvement. Look at how in control I am. And I've got these plans about how I'm going to develop myself into greatness. And they're just so smug and, 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 you know, self-satisfying. And what they're doing is just sabotaging themselves because, and the inner game of tennis, just the, I mean, the whole book is about the relationship between the teller and the doer and, and, and how that relationship can become dysfunctional. And when the teller starts getting, you know, that, which is the ego and the controlling part of you that assigns a lot of importance to short-term outcomes and really wants to be look good and win. Man and be in control that part really 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 doesn't like to relinquish control because it thinks it's all about him so then when you say when, so what it's going to be people listening right now to play that game they're going to be like well if i don't correct it it's not going to get fixed magically and if i keep making the same mistake i need to you know figure that out and then correct it right otherwise i'm going to keep making that mistake and i'm not going to get better and i i you need me and we've talked about this before and it's like the bottom line is no the same way that a kid learning baseball is going to learn way i mean look at it this way in the inner game of tennis he says kids learn to walk before they learn to talk they did not learn to walk because of verbal instruction they didn't have some overbearing parents like no no i told you remember it's left foot dead right foot and then you got to make sure you squeeze your balance yeah. your like you don't have some obnoxious dad who's drinking beers and, you know depressed about his busted out life you know trying to control his toddler not to walk yeah. like, that's not how they learn to walk they figure it out yeah. and i guess what you know people are capable of, so If, if you find yourself like, well, I got it. No, you don't. No, you don't. You can figure it out. Let yourself figure it out. Less is more, less is more, less is Mm -hmm. more. I told my last student, I've never said this before. Pool is more like, less like sculpting and more like whittling. People think pool is like sculpting where you're taking additional pieces and assembling them and and adding and adding and adding to build some structure. But it always is too much. It's always too much. It's always too much. And the answer is always less than you think, less than you think. So for example, power on the break, less than you think. You know, how how hard you have to hit draw shots is less than you think. How, How hard, you know, it's the more I learn, the more pool is about doing less, 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 simpler, simpler, simpler. It's not about doing hard stuff and getting better at hard stuff and it's about Keeping simple angles, using simple shots, staying simple, making ball on hand and not shooting ball in hand into the side pocket point because you lost a moment and took it for granted. It's all about simpler, simpler. And so I feel like good pools like whittling where you've got, you're actually whittling away and doing less and less and less until you get to the skeleton of what's needed. Your stroke, you're whittling away extra movement. Your break, you're whittling away unnecessary clenching. You know what I mean? Your brain, you're whittling away distracting thoughts and and commands and all the crap that we're telling ourselves and trying to instruct ourselves. That's stuff that needs to be whittled away, (laughs) goddammit. No, you're right on, man. You're right on. Okay, yeah. so then the funny part is that's nothing to do with what I was here to do talking about. It's great. I, I love everything. I'm, I'm not at all. I just think it's cool that that comes up. But so if our back to our original problem, you're hitting unwanted left spin. If the left spin is unwanted on every shot, then maybe you need to let that be, then you need to fix that. Notice I almost said you need to let that be fixed because the first thing is if it's on every shot, maybe there's a problem. And then the best way to handle that problem is to just hit a bunch of balls, maybe try elevated shots, like Josh said, shooting over a ball for a while and let your brain figure it out. And then if you've done that for, you know, if you've done that for a thousand hours and, and you still have a problem, make a post on easy billiards. But that's like, basically, that's when your brain gets to get involved is after you've already tried to dig it out of the dirt for a month or a year. Okay, mm-hmm. that being said, I wanted to talk about the other problem, which is the misdiagnosis. Can I just go ahead and mention go ahead. one thing, Demi? Yeah, yeah. If you are
1: hitting it too far to the left, you can sit there and say well it's the stupidest thing in the world to go hit it on the right but i've had P- pga type instructors make corrections by overcorrecting the opposite and this is not the answer to the to the to the this is not exactly the answer but it is one way to mess with it and work with it and let your body figure it out is to oh. try some overcorrecting things that are opposite and see what happens that that's all i'm just saying like this is like a organic way that you can
0: it's a very, and what I things. like to is, uh, it's a very, re, they, it's a results-based thing. It's not a, it's not a process-based thing where I'm going to cure my process. It's a, what do I need to do to get results? And let's just get the results and see, and then let my body figure out how to get those results. Well, once again. you
1: do that and you see the correction, like for me with the break, once I moved the cue over to the right and I started queuing to the right and delivering through to the bottom, well, my body, it became normal and natural. And just, it just, it, it just. It kind of just accepted it and so there wasn't some massive thing that i needed to do with my shoulder and my point of this or my that it's like i just kind of felt it tried it did it and it felt so good right away i'm like oh my god like this is this now i'm hitting the fr- the freaking thing flat and and so like i would just say that was game changing for me because the break that i have now compared to the break i had for the last 20 years is night and day. night and, day different, and yeah. so like, I'm just trying to share, like, this is something that I
0: did that worked. And it's something that I, you know, yeah. And it, and it not only did not involve manual control, it didn't involve fixing anything. It, it, it just involved doing what you needed to do to get the results. Accepting, you accepting, just get the results. Yeah, the exactly.
1: Results. And also it went from, it, it, it you know, talk about uh, overnight things. It literally happened overnight. So it's like, it's this funny. So it's like, maybe something you could use that little tip or as a player, if you're, if you're, If you're doing something, try doing a more exaggerated opposite of it and see if you can dial in some sort of middle ground or or mess with it, see if it helps you. That's
0: all I wanna say. Cool, so now the question is, why do people make a misdiagnosis? Is because a lot of what I've seen when people are putting unwanted spin on the cue ball is it's not consistently on every shot. And so they're making a certain, they're, they're, for example, I watch them shoot stop shots and they're hitting perfect stop shots or they're hitting perfect shots most of the time, but then they're working on one shot and they're putting left spin or they're putting inside English on it again and again and again. And their first go-to is I must not be seeing center, right? I have problems seeing center. I need to fix my fundamentals. And I'm like, wait a second. How come this is the first I've seen of this? We've been playing for 24 hours. You know, how come I haven't seen this before? And or they'll start putting right spin on the ball accidentally. And I, after watching this, I've come to realize if it's on every single shot, then that's one thing. But if it's on some shots and it's not consistent, then I don't think it's about sighting and fundamentals and how you come through the ball. And I've come to realize, I think it's about how you're getting on the ball. So I'm going to explain. Picture the cue ball in the middle of the table. The the shot you're shooting is on the second diamond on the side rail. So you're cutting a ball down the rail. And this is actually the exact shot where I've seen unwanted spin come up all the time. It's like the ball's not frozen on the second diamond, but it's near the second diamond on the side rail. And you're in the center of the table cutting it down the rail. And what happens is people will start cutting that ball on the rail and they'll start having little bits of side spin that affect where they go across table and hit the second rail. And so as I look at that and they're always like, oh, I'm not sighting it right. I, I don't see center correctly. I'm like, no, what goes on is this. There are levels of play where people don't really worry too much about the cue ball and their tip accuracy, and and there there's I mean, when they get a shot like that they're basically just trying to make the shot down the rail and bounce, and whether they bounce across table to the second diamond or across table to the first diamond, yeah, I'm just trying to cut the ball down the rail and bounce. And as they work with me, obviously one of the well not obviously one of the things for those that don't know one of the things I work on is we're building better patterns and better patterns require better cue ball and that requires not only more accurate cue ball, but understanding which angles and shots lead to more accurate cue ball. So as we're starting to do this, I'm putting pressure on their technique and their tip accuracy in a way that they haven't had before. And so what I've learned is there's like on on an old radio, we used to have two dials. We'd have the big dial that you could use to zing the radio needle all the way across from, you know, 88 to 109. And then you have that little fine tune radio needle. So that basically use the big radio needle to kind of get around the station you want. And then you have that smaller knob that barely moves the needle that you use to fine tune so that your reception's good. Remember that? You remember that? The radio. So the problem is once you get down on the shot, you only get to use the fine tune. And so what I've seen is I've seen people that when they get down to shoot a ball down the rail. So now we're, I'm, they're cutting this ball down the rail to their It's a left. They're going to cut it to their left. So if they get down and plop down on the ball and they're aiming at it too thick, they get down where they're aiming at it where it's going to hit the side rail and hang, and they need to cut it thinner. Well, if they get down and they're around center, but they're aiming at too thick, well, now they need to swivel their aim to the right. And as they swivel their aim to try to cut it thinner and thinner, they're p- hitting the cue ball right of center. And then they make the shot, but then they have right spin on it. They go a diamond higher across table than they meant to. And they're like, oh, I didn't mean to put that on. And, And I've seen it the other way where people are aiming too thin and then they swivel in and they put inside on it. And so basically when people, you know, when people start, their target is making the ball go in the pocket. And as they get better, their target starts becoming hitting their cue ball to certain spots on the table. Well, as they're developing tip accuracy, what I've seen is they're not, careful about how they get on the shot they're just kind of plopping down to the shot and then making these big adjustments mm. and when they make big adjustments they might make the shot but they're not going to have the tip accuracy that they need and so what i've told and, and it's usually this is usually buried to people that just like you know they just kind of chalk it and when i say they plop down on the shot like they they really they don't aim standing up and and i just feel like when i look at a lot of shots like i kind of make the shot standing up first like it's not some long time consuming thing, but it's like, I kind of see the shot line. I see the shot. I feel the shot standing up. And then when I get down, I'm close. I'm very close to where I need to be as far as my aim and my tip. And then if I need to make adjustments because I don't feel quite right, I have to make, they're like micro adjustments. They're fine tune adjustments. It's a small radio and up. I'm not getting down and then swiveling over an inch and a half to try to cut the ball and set. Does that make sense? What I just Perfectly. said? Perfectly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're saying you want that shot visualized, set up, aligned, kind of ready to go. And then you step into the shot and you're, and you could, you could shoot potentially, but if you have a tiny, tiny, tiny little micro adjustment, yeah. Cause I've seen, we've done video reviews and I've seen players and you say like, like sometimes they crawl into the shot from the side and sometimes they'll crawl into the shot and they'll kind of wiggle back and forth and see their head movement and things or their arms and like major movements for how much you should be moving when you're down on the shot so yeah I've, I've seen it in action and uh it's really good advice to me
0: yeah so when you get down to the shot you can fine-tune and if you're fine-tuning around and you don't feel good just get off the shot get back up especially you know if there's no shame in getting off the shot resetting and getting back down And especially, you know, this is going to happen. It's going to be kind of painstaking if you're first learning to use side spin, especially there's a lot of, you know, feely fine tuning stuff that you might have to do. Um, But, uh, you know, you got to be able to get off the ball if you don't, if you're, if you find yourself making more than a small adjustment. There's also a fun challenge you can try if this is a chronic problem of yours is um, it's the no practice strokes. Where you know, and this is really good too for people that are too manually controlling.
1: Yeah, it's,
0: and I, I've been I've been down this road before, so I know. But I like uh, there's a practice drill I like where you just run a table, whatever, any ball, any pocket, just or whatever you want to do, just shoot some pool. But what you do is you don't get to use practice strokes, and you don't get to adjust. So you basically see the shot standing up, you drop down on the cue ball, and you swing your arm. You drop down on the cue ball, and you swing your arm. You just use no adjustments. And if you want, if you, you know, maybe practice a shot that's giving you problems, just set up that shot and just practice getting down and swinging your arm, because then it's going to force you to do more work standing up and less work down. Yeah. And uh, that's something that uh, I, you know, again, to your point, it's, it's it's the, it's the right direction that you like to go, which is instead of, I'm going to do more and more and more stuff while I'm down on the shot. It's like, no, we're going to work harder. We're gonna we're gonna just focus on doing a uh, performing a drill or performing a a practice technique of dropping down and shooting that will force you to figure out how to get on the ball to where you don't need to do all that crap. Yeah, yeah. Because if you know
1: that you have to get down and fire, you're gonna you're gonna really do all your pre shot
0: stuff and your visualization and your your. It puts pressure on that front end, front end of the shot. So again, unwanted spin. If it's every shot, it might be your something that's needs to be fixed, but the best way to fix that is to to let your body figure it out or overcorrect. And then if it's once in a while and it's inconsistent, it probably has more to do with not being careful enough about how you drop on the ball and making too big of an adjustment. So when you find yourself adjusting too much, just get off the ball and try, uh, work a little harder standing up. And if you wanna try to anchor that technique, you can once in a while try the no practice stroke thing and, and that'll help develop the front end of your shot routine. All right. Well, that was our warm up. That was our warm up topic. So now what was on my mind and we've been kind of talking about it from different angles was you know the that there's a couple different ways that people derive joy from pool. And I'm going to try to sum them up by saying one is is more of a here and now intrinsic, you know, like I there's a kind of, you know, and and it's interesting, you know, but when, okay, when you, when you get down, you want to try to pocket a ball and get your cue ball somewhere and you get down and you try hard and it goes in and you get where you want to be. There's a certain pleasure that you come from snapping a ball in the pocket and having it work the way you want it to. Yep. And then there's also a pleasure that people can get from, from kind of a longer term you know, uh, I want to achieve certain goals. I want to win a certain tournament. I want to beat a certain player. I want to achieve a certain Fargo rate and you develop your skills and you try to achieve some longer term ob- objective that is rewarding as well. Yeah. So you've kind of got like a here and now and, you know, more intrinsic thing. And then you've got kind of a more, uh, climb a hierarchy, you know, accomplishment It's it's, it's more of a, um, success, you know, uh, pocketing, you know, pocket one ball enjoyment versus achieving a long-term goal enjoyment. And that they are two different things. What any, anything you can do to add to make those easier to, did I explain that? Okay. No, that's right on. Yep. I think that's, that's spot on. Okay. And what's interesting is, you know, I feel that there are, you know, we've talked about narratives in the past and I think that there are some things that people can do. They, it, there, it has to be set up the right way for pool to work at the granular level, which is pocketing balls, getting positioned, staying, you know, staying focused, staying hungry, being, you know, not choking, being prepared to do the work in front of you. Uh, there's a certain number of things and there's a lot of pieces in place to play good pool. And most of those pieces require like kind of a fun, like at the, at the, no, I don't want to say fundamental level, cause I don't mean physically fundamental, but that there has to be these underlying narratives and purposes and, you know, goals and, and things, they have to be set up right. And if they're set up wrong, it can either lead to poor results, short-term, poor results, long-term or a miserable road and a miserable journey. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to talk about like, what, what, you know, what are some of the mistakes we see setting that up and, uh, and things like that. Yeah. So I guess I'll start with the the first part, which is like, why is it fun to even hit a ball in the pocket? Like what, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get too philosophical. Maybe it's too late, but like, what is it about, you know, the, is, is there, a, if you take out the ego and the hierarchy and the climbing and how good am I and who can I beat? And if you just get down to where you're by yourself in your basement and nobody will ever know, cause you're not going to tell anybody and nobody cares, but just you get down and you make a good shot that used to give you trouble that you've worked on. And, or you just get down and you pocket a couple balls really, really well. And you're in the present. Like, what is it about that that is joyful or pleasurable? I think it's, I
1: think as humans, we want to progress. We just want to progress. Like we don't want to stay still. We don't want to be stagnant. We want to progress and improve. I think that's part of our human existence is, is a desire to do that. You know, but and I think so, that
0: ties more to the growth the goals and all that. But what about just, what about just the getting down well, and shooting? A stop I was thinking shot.
1: because. Yeah. Mm, okay i'm sorry the reason why i'm saying that is because i used to not be able to do that and now i can do that and so that Uh, that 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 just continues to repeat itself i remember when i couldn't do that
0: couldn't do what Uh, just xyz thing yeah i couldn't make that shot
1: i couldn't draw the ball like that i couldn't hit that shot i couldn't run that many balls i couldn't you know couldn't stay focused whatever whatever the thing is when so when i'm playing and practicing solo uh Some of it, not all of it is, well, I used, I couldn't, I couldn't do that before. Now I can. And
0: I would say that that pleasure that you get from that, it ties more into that hierarchy climbing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm talking about, what about a stop shot that you've been able to hit since you were 13 years old, but it's, isn't it still satisfying in some way to just get down, get on the ball, (sighs) do what you've known how to do for years, but it's just fun to do. It's just fun to get down and shoot a ball in the pocket. Yeah. Or is, it, or is it not fun at all? Unless it's, you know, no, no, no. Okay. So I'm, I'm trying to understand. Cause yeah. I'm confused. I think uh, it's interesting. Yeah. I'll just
1: tell you from what I've been going through
0: Demi is that
1: like, I gave up competition. I don't remember how, like a year ago or whatever it is now. And, and I sold my table and I stopped playing pool and I was done, done, done. And then I went out a couple weeks after that and hit some balls. I'm like, this is awful. I'm not even interested. And then I went six months without hitting balls. And then I came back to pool and now like I just like hitting balls. I like playing pool. Like I just like um something about the there's something about the colors of the cloth and the balls and the thing and all the noises and small and, motions. Uh, yeah, all, all that stuff. And and uh and then also like I texted you, I watched the color of money the other night, and it was just like there's something about a pool table and the pockets and all that stuff. At its core, now there's also all the ego stuff and all the competition and all the hierarchy stuff that, that is part of it, right? But at its core, just playing and hitting balls in is, is very fun and enjoyable. And uh, yeah, and I don't know how much of it is still stuck in that hierarchy, Demi, but, but I definitely know that the farther away I've got away from competition, the more I've enjoyed pool and the more I'm enjoying pool. And the less, like I go play my buddy, Anthony, and he, he hasn't played in 30 years. He's not, he, you know, he's coming back to pool and he he enjoys hitting balls and we're hitting balls together and we play at different levels, but like, I'm never sitting there thinking, am I playing good or bad? I'm just playing and I'm having fun and I'm enjoying trying to put the ball in the hole and trying to focus and, and hit shots, you know? And then part of it is too, like, and maybe that's a hierarchy thing too, but like, when I hit shots and he just busts out laughing because they're really tough shots. It's like, that's a fun thing. Like between like, are you and I do that too? You know, it's, I don't know. Maybe I'm off the rails, but
0: no, I think that, I think that we live in a culture and we grew up in a culture and we still live in a culture that is so focused on, on goals and hierarchy and look at me and look at how good I am. Yeah. uh, That it's almost, that it's almost impossible to remember what exists outside of that. Yeah, uh, we're very. I would. Uh, my premise is that we're very out of balance in that direction, and that it's hard because, like you're saying, even when you're trying to think of things that are intrinsically joyful, it's often we peel it back a layer, and it's like, oh shoot, I guess I've been showing uh, the, the, you know, look at how good I am, or look at this. I'm not picking. On you. I'm like, yeah, this no, is, I'm just like, this culture. is a struggle, yeah. And so when I think about it, is there are some things about just, just you know, letting your focus. It's like a form of meditation, right? Where your busy life and your busy brain and all the pressures that are on you and all the stresses that are on you, and you're able to let all that go and just focus on one thing. So it's a release from responsibility and from and from all the stuff that's overwhelming us or distracting us from our lives. And there are some peak states that are really fun to experience, where you kind of, you know, it's almost like uh, as humans, we you know, we live in our heads a lot, but we're animals, and so when you, it's kind of like when you spend a few days walking in nature, it can make you feel very relaxed. The same way we're not used to, you know, we're used to surfing our phone while watching a show while talking to somebody. Well, you know what I mean? So shutting your brain down and just hitting a ball in a hole can help us reconnect to the here and now and without getting like spiritual about it. I mean, there's a lot to be said about being present and and enjoying the moment. And and we can, we can lose that as thinking cognitive, you know, animals. And so it's good to reconnect to our basic, you know, here and now. So there are some things, and, and if you look at a beginner, think about a kid who's never played pool before think about a 10 year old that's never played pool before and they get a cue and they just start racing around the table and shooting at balls and stuff goes in and there's like they're not out there like look at how good i am or look at how far i've come or look at where i'm gonna go it's, they're just they're just enjoying hitting balls around it. and so there's something joyful about that so for, what is it so if you want to know like what is it that we enjoy intrinsically about the game it's like well what does a 10 year old enjoy and you know, they, they found the game fun. The first time they ever played it, you know, they were up there shooting at balls and sometimes they'd miss and Oh, and sometimes they, they'd mean to knock the ball in there and they bounced it off the wall and it went in and it's like this big, exciting thing. And it's, it's, it's really, it's not an exciting thing. Like look at how good I am. Although they, maybe they could do that on their second shot. They can already feed into that. But I think a lot of it is just like, it worked. You know what I mean? It's, that was fun. You know, it was fun to try. And I think, so so if I were to try to summarize the things that I could say that are pretty much here and now, that's it's like, you know, allow it, It's like the, 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 blissful meditation, the zone state, uh, and just the joy of challenging yourself with something and then wrestling with that challenge and sometimes overcoming it, that those are very enjoyable things at the surface level. Mm-hmm. So then it'll be a lot easier to talk about what are all the other ways you can enjoy the game, <laughs> which is, um, which is, you know, goal setting. And then, and then where, where goal setting gets weird is that is goal setting. Is there, I mean, goal setting has got to be good, right? There's a value in it. So when is it good? When is it bad? When is, when are these, the longer term, you know, Hey, I'm going to, I'm here now. I want to be somewhere else and I'm going to work towards that goal. What, when is that useful? What are the useful things it does? And how does it provide healthy enjoyment of achievement and confidence and and, and, and whatever, versus when does it become unhealthy? And when does it start sapping joy? And when does it start sabotaging girls performance? That's kind of what I've been thinking about. Yeah. So what are the good things? So long term goals? You know, you already mentioned this, you said that people kind of innately want to progress and want to develop. And I agree. I think that I think that there's something profound about wanting to wake up today and be a little bit better than we were yesterday. I think that a big part, I mean, everything grows, the universe, I mean, the universe expands and life evolves and humans grow from babies into adults. And we learn to speak and we learn to develop competencies at different things that we you know and things that we couldn't do before that we learn how to do. And, and we become more effective and hopefully mature and, and more responsible, more effective and, 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 and lead better lives. And so I think that somehow we're hardwired to want to develop ourselves. And so pool is a great game In the sense that we can set up an artificial lab environment of something that maybe is um doesn't really matter it's kind of arbitrary on the surface it's hitting balls in a pocket but that we can attach some meaning to it and then practice we get to practice our skills of developing ourselves and not only do we get to develop ourselves at this pool game and enjoy that process but a lot of what we learn about developing in a pool game we've learned how to develop ourselves to where you know, then when you get into work or you try to go, you know, it teaches you accountability. It teaches you hard work. It teaches you how to be patient. It teaches you how to, you know, achieve a good mindset, all these things. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's a satisfying to grow in the, in the game and it's, and those things are beneficial throughout your life. Um, so it's, I, I think that there's a lot of positives about, and I think that it, it makes sense that we want to grow and have some goals where, you know, anything you want to add to that or thoughts? No, I think you're right on. I just, I think the only thing is, is
1: like, uh, that side of, of the coin can just get out of balance for people and then it can make them miserable as it did me, you know? And so it's, it's just, it's a really, it's a, it's a really cool part of, of pool. It's a really cool part of life to try to get better at stuff and to try to set goals and things. But if it, uh, if it gets too far out of balance, it's, uh, it can be, it can be difficult and not good. And so I think the thing is that, that you and I talk about a lot with this stuff is trying to keep it in balance. You so know? What,
0: what are the good things that long-term goals provide for you? Like, you know, cause I, I got, I got to see it. Um, well, I think it provides you. So, If you go out of balance one way, which is if you don't have goals that are driving you, then you can lack, if you lack purpose and you lack energy, it basically, you don't have enough energy because pool is a lot of adversity and you have to work, we talked about it in the last pod, we have to work really, really, really hard. You have to focus hard. You have to want to put the balls in the pocket. You have to have a lot of, like, I think everybody agrees to be a good competitor. You have to have a tremendous amount of desire. So where... If you don't attach some kind of meaning to your journey, then where does the desire come from? So I'm going to give you an example. I had a student that was uh, 75 this week and he he was a, a competent player and a good guy and he played a pretty respectable game of pool. But what I noticed was he was missing a lot of random shots and he was missing a lot of really 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 routine shots and so it was not just once in a while it was almost once a run so if he was going to run an eight ball rack where there was like maybe two things that had to be done carefully like you have to get a good angle on this ball and you have to make a good pivot to get on the key ball so maybe there was like if i looked at that run i would be like there's six automatic shots and then two that involved you know a little bit of care Mm -hmm. the problem was he would, he was capable of missing any of the shots and not because they were difficult, but just, you know, like how did it actually, like, like for example, ball in hand, you know, you just miss ball in hand, shoot a ball in the side pocket and roll forward six inches while he'd shoot it into the tip. So it's like, well, how does that even happen? So I'm sitting here I'm an instructor. So it's my job. He's paying me money to help him develop his pool game. And I have to figure out like, okay, so the, what I'm observing is out of the six, Shots that are as easy and I'm talking like that are as routine as rolling ball in hand at the side pocket. Like if you have a student that's like 75% to make ball in hand and they're missing ball in hand one and four, and then they're missing their next ball in hand shot one and four, what are you going to teach them? Are we going to sit here and work on our break shot? or we going to sit here and work on jumps? Or we're going to work on draw shot? It's like there's a there's a something going on here that that has to kind of be front and center because there's really no way to develop your skills to be a a great pool player if if random balls are just being shot into points so then it's like well where does that come from and it's like well is that is that a fundamental thing is that i don't have an aiming system it's like no you have ball in hand you're rolling a ball on the side have you seen players like that that just seem like and you know they're maybe not quite present and hungry or you know like like what do you what would you even think is
1: okay yes like this is a piggybacking off a fake try. Right? trying, so because yep. so, that's that's what i've seen with big trying and so i am listening to you demi and and i'm just thinking and i'm thinking everybody's different right and everybody has a different reason for missing or for coming up short or for stumbling on their path or you know everything every everybody has their own reason and things and so for a for certain people it might not make sense because they're so hard on themselves it might not make sense for them to turn up the hard on themselves dial and try to ask a little more from themselves because they're so hard on themselves they need to turn that dial down but there's other people like the student you're describing I'm sitting there thinking that guy needs to turn the other dial up he needs to turn up that dial that's asking more for himself and not in like this negative whipping himself way but he he you he needs to turn up that, that, that meaning or significance dial. And a lot of times that meaning or significance comes from a place of, I need to make this shot. It's important for X, Y, Z reasons. Right. And things. Right. And so, yes. So there's some people that they, they, they got it. Like I had to turn that dial down. Yeah. He has to turn that dial up. You know? Yes.
0: And so this is, this is why I'm talking about this because we're talking about what are the, what are the benefits and the dangers of, of having you know, the long-term, the long-term, you know, progression goal part of our game. And one thing is it supplies energy, you know, the right goals and the right sense of purpose supplies energy. Now he's 75. And one of the challenges that I have a lot of uh, empathy for is that he's like, Hey, I'm 75 I don't, you know, deep down he's wrestling with some powerful challenges, which yeah. is, I don't know if I can get better at this game. I'm 75. I just don't know physically. how much time I have left and how much my body will let me do.
1: So I have a question. Is he saying, I'm sorry, I did mean interrupt, but is he saying I'm 75? I don't have the energy to try or
0: ask more from myself anymore. No, I think he's, it's, I think it was a belief issue where like deep down, deep down. And plus you got to understand. So he's, he's 75. He might, he doesn't know how many years he has left. He doesn't know how much his body will be able to do in the future. And he's probably been stuck at the same level for a few years. And he's like, so it's like hard, at some point it's hard for maybe it's hard for him to believe that he can get better and then of course there's there's like we you know some of this we got into some of it we didn't like then there's parts of it is like is it scary to think that you can get better because it's safer to just accept you know are you afraid of wanting to get better are you afraid of the desire to get better because you're afraid that you're not actually going to be able to, so that it's going to create an unfulfilled desire and disappointment yeah. and hurt and, and sense of failure. So you're better off just telling yourself, well, realistically, I'm not going to get better. So let's just, you know, show me some things and maybe, I, maybe if I back, I'm not going to expect to get better, but if I back up into anything that helps great. But the problem with that is if you, if you hedge too much against disappointment that you don't, you're afraid to try and stretch, well, then you shoot balls at the rail because you don't have any, you don't have any, um, you're not asking enough from yourself. And so that he wasn't asking enough from himself. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at it and I'm like, look, and I told him, I said, I'm not 75. So I can't speak to what it means to be 75 and have the challenges with my body and my future that you do. However, I'm not as different as he thinks because I'm 42 turning 43, but I'm also, you know, playing at a much different level where for me, I would, I actually think it would be harder for me to get better with my remaining years than it would be for him to get better with his remaining years, because I'm, I play so much stronger that my, for what I have to do to improve is tremendously daunting. And you know, this, I mean, so it's like, it's daunting for me to try to get better. And I'm not exact. I'm not, I'm not exactly 17 anymore. So even though I'm not 75, I'm like, I think I can understand what it means to wrestle with these questions of, can I get better? And, and is it, is it okay for me to try uh, or is that just going to hurt too much? And I think that, I think that uh, one thing that I've decided to do is postpone that whole decision and say, I don't know if I can get better or not, but I'm going to find out on the table, not in my head and I'm going to find out, you know what I mean? We're going to find out. And so it's, it's like the, I've said it before, the opposite of, uh, the opposite of low expectations isn't high expectations And the opposite of high expectations isn't low expectations. The opposite of any expectations is no expectations. So I'm not saying I I expect nothing from myself and I'm not saying I expect a lot from myself. I'm saying I don't have any expectations of myself other than we're gonna find out how far I can get and we're gonna try my hardest. Now, so, okay, so that was the symptom. My point is though, is that um, a couple of thoughts trying to like organize this a little bit better. When a when a player and I at one point I kind of motivated him. I said, "Look, if you're seven, if you're 25 percent to miss any random shot, and he's trying to complete this run out the way I want him to complete this whole run out, and he's shooting the first shot or he's shooting one shot key shot well, but then losing focus and missing a ball, I'm like, hey man, if you're 75 percent on every one of these shots and then 50 50 on the two that are trickier, that's going to take you." And I pull out my calculator. I'm like, "That's going to take you 115 tries to run through these balls. Is that good enough for you? Because if you want to do this in less than 115 tries." you're going to have to ask a little bit more on these routine shots. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, let's just yeah. look at what it's going to take to run these yeah. balls out. Like you need to get it to where it's 75% of those two shots and 95 on the rest. And then you can do it in three tries. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or yeah. four tries. Yeah. And, you know, so anyway, and something about that may have motivated, you know, it's, it's a little motivating to think yeah. about. So, okay. Zooming way out on our main topic. My point is with a lack of purpose and goal comes a lack of energy and drive and, you know, and, and, and effort. And with and without some drive and purpose and effort you can become a guy that just shoots random balls of the rail and at that point there's nothing there's nothing else to talk about there's no youtube video to watch and this is something that i find really i this is like the most passionate event is this moment in our conversation is there's all this YouTube content and all this teaching and all this instruction about like, well, here's how you play shape here. And here's a trick when you're frozen on the rail. And here's how you shoot when you're trying to draw your ball. And here's a good timing of a swing. It's like, yeah, all the content out there, it talks about stuff that the, like the control, part of the brain wants to learn about, to feel so knowledgeable, but yet some of the most profound, important things are like, what's driving you to make that routine shot and what's driving you to stay focused because without that crap set up, right? it's like this guy came to me for instruction i want to help him but it's like for us to be and and, you know for them for him to have this conversation with me and then ask me about the break i'm like we are we like there's how are you asking me about the break shot right now like the only thing we should be talking about is like tell you know we should be exploring your narratives and be exploring where your sense of purpose is and why you know why is this matter to you mm-hmm. and what does it mean what would it mean to you if you played 10 more years and never got any better and, and kept missing random shots versus what would it mean to you if you've plugged these leaks and then played better than you've ever played before and i'm like the good news is these weaknesses are great like i'm not here beating the guy up i'm being very empathetic and compassionate but i'm also saying this is great mm-hmm. man if i missed three random shots a rack that would be great. Like think of how easy it is to get yeah. the, the, the irony is he's concerned that maybe I don't know if I can get better. I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know if you can get better. Just thinking the the fact that you're not sure if you can get better is resulting in a lack of purpose. It's allowing you to miss three ball on hands a rack. So how could you not get better? Yeah. If you, if you if you suddenly said hey wait a second if i believes i could get better and it mattered to me i might be able to only miss him once a rack i just tripled my pride you could get three times better yeah easily yeah like yeah. how can you think you're at a dead end here yeah uh, yeah no so yeah, these yeah. are the, the benefits of goals the benefits of goals is number one goals have to provide energy purpose and drive you have to have a fire in your belly and that comes from striving to improve and it could be it could be specific goals, like I want to be this far, who I want to beat that guy, or it could be progress goals, like I want to be able to draw my ball, or that's still kind of result goal. Uh, it could be progress goals, like I'd like, you know, I'd like to be able to do things better than I do them now. So, and then those two are attached, right? Like if you say. I would like to be able to draw more effortlessly or I'd like to be able to bank with more confidence or I'd like to be able to shoot shots off the rail more comfortably. Well, then that should also tie into results. Like I'd like to see my straight pool run go from 20 to 30 to 40. Right. So result goals process. You have to have process goals, result goals, and they should attach to each other. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are some of the benefits of goals.
1: Yeah.
0: And then the rewards of goals. The, 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 the healthy, what are some of the healthy pleasures of goals? Not the unhealthy pleasures. What are the healthy pleasures of goals? <laughs> <laughs>
1: hmm. Well, you're asking like the unhealthiest goal person in the world, healthy pleasures of goals. Um, well, that's a good one down. Um, Well, okay. I'll just tell you what I'm, I I just got to share what I'm thinking. So I don't know if it's going to answer your question, but so I have a goal when I, to not quit, to not quit. And so my goal with pool right now is I don't want to quit again. I, I, I want to play pool. Like I enjoy playing pool. I like playing pool. I put a lot of years into it. I'm like, so, so I look at it and say, that's my, it's, it's almost like a, I don't know if that would be a process goal or if that would be a result you don't, goal.
0: You don't want to approach and pursue this game in a way that's going to drive you to misery and, 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 and quitting. Yeah. yeah. And you want to find a path that's, that's sustainable. Yeah.
1: So I find when I play now and I want to play again after I'm done, like I've reached my goal. Like I, I am crushing my goals. Yeah. It's you know? an approach
0: process goal. Yeah. You want to approach the game in such a way that you can be excited to play again the next day.
1: Yeah. And then when I achieve that, then I have reached my goal and then I'm like proud and I feel good and I feel energized and I feel like I've accomplished something, you know, like, like why and, do people climb mountains? Like they, they want to get to the top or whatever. And but the, the like, funny
0: part is that is a performance goal. It doesn't feel like it. Because you can sit there and say, well, that has nothing to do with how good I bad I played. But I'm like, no. But in terms of like, if you look at one session, it's not a performance goal. But in terms of career management and career accomplishments and career trajectory, you can't, you, you don't grow. It's it would it would be like, and I'm I'm not joking at all, I'm dead serious. Like it would be like somebody who's battling depression, making it a goal to not kill themselves and say that's off the table. I have to find a way to live to where I'm not gonna be in danger of ending my life. Like that's a serious, serious, serious goal because yeah it's like well how is that a growth goal not killing yourself well if you give up if you kill yourself it's you deny yourself the opportunity to grow in any other ways it's almost like the underlying requirement of growth is that you stay in the game Mm -hmm. so by by saying i was really struggling with the way i approached this game it was really difficult to the point where i couldn't continue down the road at times well then finding a way to say i'm going to approach this game in a way to where i'm not going to allow myself to do anything or feel anything or you know i'm not going to allow myself to go down any path that's going to lead me to not wanting to continue to play yeah i think that's a major major goal
1: yeah yeah it is a goal and it's a career management thing for me so it's like i feel like when i play pool i have no goals like i don't like have any physical goals or any sort of results goals i mean obviously i want to i want to uh play well today <laughs> <laughs> Stop so look at your seat. Cause we got something for you. Yeah, that's Sorry. right. That's right. So of course, <laughs> of course, of course, of course, I, I, you know, that's a part of playing pool and I still have that fire, but my overall main goal is like, like not quitting. And, and but that's more of like, and that's like an overall like meta strategy and sort of career management thing for me. So then when I make decisions around that goal, it's like, well, most of the time I play pool, it's with Demi because I look back at 30 years of pool, and that's that's the most joy I have is when I'm playing pool with you. And so I try to like put myself in winning positions from that standpoint. Um, like you asked me to go to a tournament in June, and I'm like, oh man, bar table, tembal. I don't even I haven't played bar table temball forever. But then I stopped and paused and I'm like, well, wait a minute. I just want to go with you to a tournament, hang out, drive, have fun, you know, do what we used to do. So like that's not going to make me want to stop playing pool going out there with you. So this fits sort of my goal, you know, or my, uh, my overall strategy. So perfect. Anyways, and so, yeah.
0: And so my, my thought on the best way to explain a healthy use of goals to provide is I thought about this, you know, cause I've got some kids and you've got some kids and maybe I've shared this with you in the past, but I've, I've thought about this a lot. I think a, a healthy goal looks like this. Suppose you're walking with your kids in a park, and you are, you know, 100, feet, you know, maybe you're a couple hundred feet away from your car, and you say, race into the car, and everybody starts racing to the car. So all of a sudden, what happens is you start racing and your kids are running and everyone starts smiling and laughing and you're running and they're running and then you get a lead. And then they're like, I'm going to catch you. And then you like pretend to fall and you stumble and then they laugh and gleefully giggle as they pass you. And then you get up and try to catch them and then you get scared and they're running and laughing. And and then you almost catch them. Then they get to the car door and it's like, everyone's laughing. And it was fun. And I've thought about that experience. I'm like, what is at the car? you know, what is the purpose? Like, what is at the car? Well, there's nothing at the car because whoever gets there first, is going to wait for the other people to catch up. Anyway, we're all leaving at the same time. There's no cash reward. Nobody's live streaming. I'm not going to post on Facebook. Like, Hey, you know, here's a selfie of me at the car before my kids got there. Like (laughs) none of that crap. Right. It's just, so what was the purpose of the car? There's nothing. There's no, there's nothing at the car, but so what is the car? Well, without the car, we couldn't have had this race because we needed an arbitrary finish line that was totally, it was arbitrary and it was meaningless. But what did we do is we assigned it meaning so that we could create a track to have this experience of racing and laughing. And so i thought about that a lot. And it's like, without the car, we can't have that race. And so when I think about pool goals, if we don't have pool goals and we're just slapping balls around, Not only do we not get to feel the joy of progression and advancement and, you know, setting new high runs and developing ourselves and we deprive ourselves of the opportunity to grow, which is meaningful. But we also take out all the energy and purpose to where we just kind of become shells slapping balls around like it's we don't hit peak states we don't, we don't experience, you know, the joy of challenging ourselves and overcoming it because we're not really engaging with it. It's like, we need, we need a purpose. To, to, to create a path it's like the the fun of pool is racing down a path of progress and improvement towards something and so we need a goal not only to provide the energy and purpose and desire but just to give us to define the course we have to define the challenges like if, if it's fun to overcome challenges well then we need to create challenges to overcome so we i guess a way, one way of saying that is a goal like if If you were to play pool and you break the balls, the challenges are there to overcome. You've got balls on the table, there's pockets, there's stuff in the way, there's a set of challenges to overcome. Well, the goal creates career challenges to overcome, which is, boy, I need to develop skills that I don't have. And I need to get out of my comfort zone in ways. You know, When you set a goal you're creating a set of challenges that you're going to have to navigate over a certain long-term period of time. And so that's what a goal does for you, is it creates a track and it creates a course, so to speak. Of adversity that you get to test yourself again that's fun and meaningful and then
1: we've talked about this before i'm sure but like the one thing i would add about goals is that um you know once you have that track and that purpose and that thing that you're that car that you're running to then set you know of course process goals like that's what keeps you moving and that's what keeps you sane and that's what keeps you from getting down the ego hole and stuff like that is you know putting together a lot of process goals along the way
0: so, yeah and I've got a coach's corner so once again check out my youtube mnpoolbootcamp.com or mnpoolbootcamp on youtube and go to uh goals uh, I think I have goals part a and b I talked about the soldier versus the commander I've talked about you know, the map versus when you're driving versus the steering wheel. There's some cool things about goals and process goals versus result goals. So reference that. Yep. Uh, So then, so then what happens though, is that people set these goals because it, it, the goals they set, you have meaning in in the immediate short term of hitting balls in. And you have the, the joy of facing longer-term adversity and scrambling and developing yourself. And all of those things come into focus when you have a purpose, which is created by a goal. So the track is defined and your drive is, your energy is, your gas tank is filled all by the right goals or the right purpose. That's all good stuff. So where does it go rogue? Where does it go bad? And I, I will say, I think we have a culture that in our culture, people are absolutely lose sight of, those things. And it, and it, and it becomes about, it becomes about ego. It becomes about how good am I, who am I better? You know, my value is my ability as a pool player or my value is my ability to beat players or win tournaments or have other people be intimidated by me or have other people afraid of me or have other people, uh, you know, praise me or other, what are the rail birds saying about me? And, and all these other things. It's like, look at me, look at me, look at how good I am. Look at how far I've come. Look at, look at this, look at me. I'm so good you know, and, they, and there's a way that you can kind of feed off, you can feed off your, you know, your perception of how good you are, or what others think of you. And I think that's where it gets, that's where a lot of people get out of balance. And it's not one person. It's like everybody, right? Everybody kind of gets out of balance. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was out of balance. Like, I get do. it. Yeah. And that's why I'm so worried. Like when I posted that YouTube video and I get 2,700 views, all of a sudden I'm like, I am like, you know, I am a, I, I'm famous, you know, I'm, famous, the, yeah. I'm on the, you know, it's like, yeah, listen to me. I'm on, I have a podcast. I'm on the radio. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, so, yeah. But it's very easy to get, you know, it's, we can easily derive an ego pleasure in our sense of accomplishment. And it's really, really, sometimes it starts where it starts kind of from a pure spot, which is it would be fun to go try to accomplish these things and grow. And then when you get it, there's this little ego part where it's like, "That was nice." And it's it goes from being kind of this wholesome pleasure to kind of like this, you know, kind of secretive feeding on on this something. So okay, I'm kind of getting too vague. I need to get focused here. So yeah, I mean. It, it seems like a lot of people get lost in that. You know, they're wearing Moscone Cup jerseys with their last name on them, posting up videos of themselves beating the nine ball ghost. This ties into what we were talking about with social media influence. It's like, listen, I, I, I kind of have my premise It's this. Most people are kind of broken and suffering. You know, it's the human condition. We're all lonely. We are all insignificant because the universe is really, really big and we're kind of almost meaningless pieces of it. And so we're all struggle with feelings of insignificance and loneliness and suffering. And, and that we are looking for ways to feel relevant and, and insignificant. And we're looking for ways to feel better. And we're looking for ways to either distract ourselves from the tragedy of the human existence or to actually medicate ourselves from our suffering. And when we find that, hey, when I made that shot, a lot of people applauded me or told me how good I was or th- how good did I look when I jumped that ball in, and then I put it on, on, on YouTube and now 5,000 people gave me a like because of it. That makes me feel even better about myself. That there's a, there's a seductive uh, medic. I, I think a lot of people are broken and suffering and that they're medicating by feeding on their ego of their accomplishments, their progress and how good they look and how good they are. I think that's what I think.
1: And what do you do with that, Dem?
0: And I think that unfortunately, when people start going down that road, they get out of balance to where they, uh, they, they lose track of the joy, of the the healthy joy of the game, both in the short term and of the, the healthy goals. Of, they forget that they're they're not having fun racing towards the car. They're not having fun laughing with their kids. They're like, all they care about is getting to the finish line and how they're going to look with their selfie or how good they're going to look or how who thinks what about them or what do they think about themselves. And, and, and this is why they care. And then what happens is, here's exactly how this plays out. It takes away all the joy from the game because they've divorced themselves from any kind of healthy joy from the game because they're just perpetually looking at it from an accomplishment perspective. The second thing is it actually sabotages performance because they start putting so much pressure on the results because, man, if I win this match, then I get to tell everyone I won. Whereas if I lost this match, I lose status in terms of what I think people are going to think about me. And then I don't get... So if you're... Think about it. If you're an opium addict, you're going to get very, very protective about your stash. And and you're going to get... You're going to care a lot about whether or not you if you're playing a pool tournament and if you win the pool tournament, you can afford to go and get your fix. And if you don't win the pool tournament, you're gonna to be jilling into the night and shivering and you know, whatever, then it's gonna you're gonna have a lot of pressure on you because you're going to be in hell or heaven that tonight, depending on if you perform well. yeah. And so I think that people that feed on ego accomplishment, it's the same story. If I perform well, then I get to feed on my accomplishments tonight. And what that guy said about me afterwards and how, you know, this guy paid me that compliment and how good I look shooting that ball and how good of a winner I am. You get to spin the story about how good you are to yourself and feed on that. And if you lose, then it's horrible and you don't get to do that. And it's a threat. And then and then you have to punish yourself for that so that you can try to force yourself to become a winner in the future so that you can get your fix next time. And so you you know that you're fighting for your your psychic well-being tonight. And there's a ton of pressure that you create and and, and so it doesn't really lead well to performance in the short term because of the pressure you create. And it doesn't turn it doesn't really develop you in the long term because it can really sap your energy. And you just think, oh, well, I'm motivating myself by attaching a lot of meaning to this stuff. But it's actually really, really, really fatiguing to be perpetually living in fear and living in self-abuse and self loathing is actually very fatiguing. And so it's like, you could sit there and say, well, I'm motivating myself because I have these goals that I'm attaching so much meaning for. I'm, I'm whipping myself, I'm whipping myself. But it's like, yeah, that you can say you're motivating yourself, but man, when you suck all, to me, what you're doing is sucking all the joy out of the game and making yourself fatigued by self-abuse and, and discouragement. And so to me that you can do it that way, but it would be like, which workforce do you want to bet on? Do you want to bet on the workforce with the heavy handed managers that's beating the crap out of everybody and threatening to fire people? Or do you want to bet on the workforce where people are going in and laughing and having fun doing what they're doing? And it's like, I find that when you lose the ego feeding and you try to live a more healthy, joyful life, pool game like i find that enthusiasm and and childlike you know wonder tends to be a much higher energy and more positive trajectory than than self-abuse and you know fear and discouragement and self-loathing so so that's what that's that's exactly the trap i see you asked me a question it's like what do you do from there but i'm just trying to define like here's what i here's why i think people are addicts to ego i think that i think that they go down this path because we're all broken and suffering and we get addicted to this crap and we lose sight of the joyful joy joy of the game and then we end up just being perpetually miserable trying to serve the next goal the next accomplishment and when do we get to the part where we get to you know win big so we get our next fix and it's too bad man it's too bad Hmm. yeah yeah go you know if you have anything no
1: i just i mean that's I just was thinking back to when I started playing pool when I was 13, I watched the color of money. I saw it on TV. He was winning. And, you know, every time he, he he was unbeatable basically. And, and the hustler, the same, you know, he had some, they had some adversity, but in general. So, so then I started playing pool Demi and I specifically remember playing pool at 13 years old and thinking, I feel good about nothing. I didn't play sports growing up. I didn't have any friends. I was a complete lone wolf and shy and all these things. And I just remember actually picking up a cue and making balls and having people immediately tell me I was special or significant. And it just, that's, that's how I got into pool because I had significance. I didn't have significance with my family. I didn't have significance with my brothers and sisters, no one in school, nothing. I had zero significance. But when I picked up a pool cue and I could beat adults at 13, all of a sudden I was like a mini celebrity around the arcades and the places I played. And I, and it was like a complete ego feed for me, you know? And, and I was so underrolled emotionally <laughs> with, with, with like, yeah. that it was just like, you know, I was really susceptible to the drug, man. And so, so I, I played like that and just, and then I just would whip myself. Right. Cause that was my drug. I just would whip myself and I would go do that shoot over the ball for a thousand times. And I would go, I would go and just grind and grind and practice and practice and play and compete and just work that cycle, you know? And it was like, you know, for me, it got me to a certain level and everything. So it, it has effectiveness. But then as I got older, I realized, you know, when I was 18 or 19, I quit because, I was a busted out junkie like emotionally i just was a complete busted out junkie and i'm like i can't do this like i'm so miserable emotionally and then i came back to it later and, and played again and went through all those things
0: and, and i'll just share you know, i mean like, i, I had ahead, the exact, no i had the exact same i mean not the exact same experience but like basically i was an addict too i mean same story i was i was the youngest child so i mean I've always wondered about birth order, you know, it's a different conversation about, but anyway, as we're both youngest children, I was the youngest child, I had a lot to prove I was never as, you know, smart or capable or competent as my older siblings, because I was too young and had too much of a developmental disadvantage. So I was looking for an opportunity to prove my relevance and it wasn't going to be scholastic or, you know, anything like that. And so when I got into pool, there was something like, wow, look at this here's a game that I can learn to play. And like you say, adults, you know, you can start running tables and everyone's like, man, you're really good for a kid and look at this and you're really good. And I, I, and then, you know, there was a lot of it was, you know, internal pressure as you know, and I, and I started getting off by I was going to be the best pool player in the world. And I had these really expansive lofty goals. And I'm like, that's going to make me, you know, different than other people and better than other people and more special than other people. And then everybody's going to know that I'm the special one and all this crap. And it's like, for sure, I would bought into that. And the way it played out was that I whipped myself mercilessly. And I actually thought of it. Like I, I steered into pain for five years where every time I, I was consciously aware of a fork in the road of what I could do, I was like, I made it hurt worse, made it hurt worse, made it hurt worse. Cause I thought that competition was, wading through the depths of hell and that people most people like 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 a contest of who can hold a cigarette on their palm the longest before they pull back and that the way you're going to be better than everyone else was by going through more suffering than everybody else so i was going to steer into the pain and say bring it on make it worse make it worse make it worse because i felt like i was burning away my competition until i was the only person left because nobody wanted it as much as nobody was going to suffer like when i was going to suffer because nobody wanted it like i was going to want it so that was that was what i how i lived for five years and then I just had a, I kind of like you did. It's like, I had a profound revelation where it's like, I'm not going to, I'm, I don't want my life to be like this for another 50 years. So I caused myself so much pain that eventually I, uh, I, I aborted, I quit pool and I just never played that way again. And then when I, when I stumbled back at a pool years later, two big things changed. And one was, I knew that I was never going to play pool like that again. Like I didn't want to go down that road. Um, Cause I'd already gone down that road. I went down that road far enough to know what that road was and that I didn't want it. And so kind of like you're saying, like, I, I just, I just didn't want to live that way. And then two, I met a guy that, I, you know, we both know pretty well. That yep. I used to play a lot with, and he very interesting chap, uh, but he changed my life in the sense that he really called my attention to a lot of these games that people play with Eagle. And, and I learned a little bit from him about, about that. And, and then learned from my own experiences that, that's not what I wanted. So, so it's, I feel very hypocritical and I'm sure we're both a little hypocritical. Like now we don't, we, I'm sure we're both feeling conflicted talking about it because it's like, how did I didn't like, like if I understand the value of ego sobriety to any extent, it's because I was such a raging, like I, I destroyed my life in rock bottom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I
1: have multiple times myself, yeah. <laughs> like more than once I've, I've egoed myself to rock bottom multiple times. So, and I think the reason why we're sharing this Demi is because Because we just, like, we can own that we've been through that and we can say, this is why we're talking about these subjects because we've gone through it ourselves and we're just kind of trying to help people to realize, like, trying to. I think what I would hope that we're trying to help people is to try to become, you know, look at self awareness and just say, okay what are my motivations why am i doing this and what 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 are the reasons behind it and what what are some things that i can do if if i'm getting down those paths and and all that and then also i i kind of like the uh, the discussion of like I've gone the other way Debbie, where I got so far away from it right. that I got into like fake trying and doing all this stuff and just going through the motions and because like, it, 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 cause I was same, so afraid of, the same way uh, that
0: my last student was relapsing. Like, the same way my last student was afraid of setting goals, maybe because he wasn't sure he could hit them. It's like, you can get to the spot where you're so afraid of, of your own addiction to ego that you, that you just are afraid of trying anymore because you don't want to go down that road
1: again. Yeah. And so if we could talk about, so, we, like, yeah we can talk about Goggins real quick because yeah we yeah were, go ahead go so, so I don't know if you guys know David Goggins or heard of David Goggins but he's a guy he's got an awesome story he uh was just a busted out guy that that uh was 300 pounds he had already been in the military once and sort of quit quit out of a special kind of like a lower level special forces program in the air force anyways and then so he was out of the military and he was spraying for cockroaches 300 pounds and he saw a navy seals thing on the uh, history channel and i think he was probably pretty depressed living his life and he turned himself around and he he went through hell i mean the his story is an incredible story of perseverance and just just will will to to just achieve his goals that he set out and and so he ends up becoming a navy seal and then he ends up breaking a pull-up record and he ends up going through ranger training and his resume is just absolutely out out of this world and then he's ran like he's ran so many ultra marathons like 50 to 100 mile 240 mile races the guy's just he's absolutely just beast mode one of the toughest mental guy mentally toughest guys that's ever walked the planet in my opinion and so that's great. And it's cool. And it's fun to hear about. And so I got into Goggins for at some point, because um, I was so afraid of ego, and, and that I was quitting, I was quitting, I was quitting, I was quitting. I wasn't necessarily quitting pool, but I was not asking enough of myself you
0: weren't all in when you were playing i wasn't
1: all in when i was playing and i wasn't all in in anything in my life i didn't want to 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 bump up against and that the
0: analogy i think about is like kind of like if you're a six foot you know if you have some developmental thing where you're like eight years old and you're six feet and 250 pounds it's like mason man yeah yeah you have to be afraid of when you play with your friends you can't just roughhouse with your friends because you're yeah. so much bigger and stronger so you gotta have to be careful like i feel like you and i we're such ego addicts that, that we're, you know, supposedly in recovery that like, we have to be very careful about how we motivate ourselves because we don't want to go down these dark paths again, but then that can lead to like being too tentative, you know? And so you may be too tentative. Way too tentative. Yeah. And and, it's like, you're afraid of your own strength. You're afraid of your own capabilities. You're afraid of your own fire. There's a healthy fire and there's a healthy passion, but you can become afraid of your own desires because you know what it could go if you just got to balance the other way.
1: Yeah. And so I found myself in a position in my life where I'd stopped goal setting. Like I literally made a decision that I don't want to set any more goals in my life because I don't want to get caught in that whipping thing about I have to make this goal. Or this is my significance. This is my importance. So I was kind of a little bit rudderless, honestly, for years, just rudderless, rudderless, rudderless. And somehow I, st- I stumbled against Goggins. He was on like Joe Rogan or something. And then I started listening to what he had to say and it landed with me and it got me back to um you know pushing myself to really because he pushed himself to extreme levels and he encourages other people to do the same for real specific reasons and it super landed with me and i got into goggins and i started running really far distances and i started pushing myself and waking up really early in the morning and doing all these things and i needed that at that time demi mean, in my life to to make that course correction um, and with Goggins. And when I went through that process for me personally, I don't know how much um
0: you needed some Goggins.
1: Yeah. I needed, I, I kind of needed some Goggins in my life, you know, and that's what I think we're talking about Demi. And now <laughs> I don't need Goggins in my life. Like I literally, I've, I, I did it. Like I worked for a year or two and I ran a shit ton of miles and woke up really early and pushed myself and, and, you know, but, but then I started realizing Demi that, that I was over the other side again. Like I was on the dark side where I was like, I was right back to where I kind of started and not, not fully, but kind of right. And so that, and then that led into my pool game where I had my garage, I had my table in my garage and I had like marks on the wall of all the games I was going to play. And I was going to Goggins my way through pool. And, and then it just kind of it didn't work anymore. You know, and I got, I got stuck again, but, but the thing that I would say Dem, just to wrap up on the Goggins thing, not to defend him or not defend him or whatever, but the one thing that, that I was thinking about, cause we talked we Demi and I talk about Goggins and I want Demi to talk about the, the Goggins thing too, is that not my defense of him or myself with using his kind of platform or his program or his mindset. I would just say that, I have so much quit in me that I needed, it, you know, and that's really what I get from that mindset or that mentality is that I just, I need to, to face that quitting mind. And now when I play, I'm facing my quitting mind, but not whipping myself to keep going. It's more, I just more from a joyful loving way. I want myself to keep going. I don't want to quit. I want Do you know what I'm saying, dem It's just it's different now.
0: Yeah, and and I think that not everybody knows what God gets this message is. So, I will give you I I've, I've only listened to about half an hour of him because I find him uh repulsive <laughs> for this reason, which is he the first interview I heard of him he was talking about some marathon and how he's going to run 100 miles and how nothing was going to Basically, he's got this like he's kind of got this like, here's what's going to happen. You set your goals bigger than anyone ever thought. And then you don't, do, you know, then you don't take no for an answer and you push yourself and you make it happen. No excuses, no whining. And, and and kind of like this, just, I don't care if it's miserable. I don't care if it's unpleasant. I don't care if it's fun. I don't care if you don't yeah, run on broken you're, legs. You're, you're, you're you're, so he going, told a yeah. story about how he's going to run a hundred miles and somewhere around 74 miles. And he like, either broke his foot or sprained his ankle or broken broken foot or broken leg. And he basically forced himself to finish 26 more miles and every step was painful because he's like, this is how winners do it, kid, is you just don't quit. Mm -hmm. And you just don't, nothing, nothing stops you and nothing stay, you know, you're relentless and you're relentless and nothing gets between you and your goal. And the only the the problems I have is twofold. Number one, when you're talking about how he's like the best in the world as far as mental toughness, and like you said it like that's a compliment. And I guess I would, I would look at that like, it's a, it's like, it's a leak. And I would say, why are we measuring best in the world based on mental toughness? Why aren't we measuring best in the world based on who's, who's leading a fulfilled, meaningful life? Now there's a lot of overlap, right? Obviously he's got a lot of purpose. He's helped a lot of people. He's, he's achieved a lot. He's had a lot of joy in his life. And so, but to me, it's like, why are we measuring who we are heroes are by, you know, how, how how much misery they put themselves through, and and look at look at them. I, I just that's not how I keep score, and so I don't even. I just that doesn't speak to me. Number one. Number two is that there's a here's and here's maybe the whole point of this is that, and I've talked about it before. It's on my coach's corner. If you want to look up the happiness paradox, um, on my YouTube channel, uh, MN Pool Bootcamp on YouTube. I'm really pushing for subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> help me, help me. Anyway, but the, the the point is, is that where it gets funny is ultimately. If at a, at a, like, why do we play full level? It's to have fun and there's fun in playing and there's fun in growing, but it's ultimately to accumulate, you know, to accumulate, you know, to, to bring joy into our life. That is why we're trying to play. And what, what happens is if you're not willing, what we're basically talking about is trading off the short term and the long term. And if you're not willing to do anything in the short term that is challenging or you know, not immediately pleasurable. Then if you're saying, I'm only going to play when I feel like it for as long as I feel like it, doing things, doing parts of the game I'm good at that I enjoy that that make me feel good and happy. Well, you can do that and you can might have fun hitting balls for 10 minutes today, but that's not going to lead you down. You're depriving yourself of tremendous universes of joy that you could have from setting goals and progressing and achieving bigger things and seeing yourself develop and overcoming those challenges and turning into people that can do things like you're, you're missing out on a lot of joy. But on the other hand, if you say to yourself, all the joy for pool is to be found from achievement and, and success and, you know, goals. So therefore I am going to sacrifice my joy from today so that in the future, I hit some big goal, and get some big joy payoff. Well, then what happens is you're miserable today. You're miserable tomorrow. You're miserable the next day. And you think, so I'm going to be miserable every day as I strive towards this external goal. But once I get there, look at me, I'm going to get the motherlode payoff and I'm going to have more joy than anybody. And what ends up happening is you just are miserable and you and you form, and not only are you miserable every day, and so you leak away a lot of joy that you could be having, but that you form a habit of being miserable and discontent and unsatisfied. And And that even if you think you hit those goals, as soon as you hit those goals, you feed on them for a minute. It tastes like eating garbage. It's like and eating cotton candy. Yeah, and immediately, yeah. and immediately, you're just dissatisfied and want the next fix. And so, basically, it leads to perpetual, you know, dissatisfaction and misery at the table. So then, my question is: if your goal is to actually get the most joy out of the game, there's got to be a balance between striving for things that are going to bring growth and joy along the road and in the future. But I have a, I have a non-negotiable. Kind of like you have, a, I'm not going to do anything that won't make me quit. I have a, I'm not going to do anything that's not gonna that's gonna deprive my joy from this game. I love the game when I play I non-negotiable I'm going to have fun when I play and so I'm all about striving and working and trying to get better but I'm not going to I'm not willing to sacrifice my my today's joy. And so when I hear when I hear Goggins's message which is kind of like to me who cares how you feel you need to get the results and get it done I'm 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 mixed on that because my, I guess my question is, two, there's two different questions. So here they are. One, do you have to sacrifice your joy today to achieve long-term growth and success? And two, even if you did, would it be worth it? So, and I, I, so like for example, if you had a 13 year old that just loved to play and was getting better and enjoyed the process of playing and striving and competing, would they have to be miserable Or could they just enjoy that process? And and is it possible that they could be joyous and still get to the highest levels of pool? And I've thought about this a lot because I've been coaching kids and I think they can. I, I would say, I think it's possible. Like I don't, because you and I both did it the hypocritical way where we both did it the Goggins way to get where we got. And now once we've achieved all that, now we're like, well, now yeah, we're gonna, yeah, now yeah. we get to be the Buddha. Yeah, exactly. But, but like, you know, but like, well, we Goggins it to get it where we got, and now we could sit back and try to be zen. But like, I actually have seen the new generation of kids that are coming along. And I, I think that there's I think that now they have a lot in common, right? With with Goggins' message, because so they they're they have to have goals and they have to drive themselves relentlessly and they have to work hard and they have to have. You know, they have to be driven and they have to put in hard work and they have to be willing to sacrifice short term pleasure and do things that are difficult, like practicing with a jump cue for an hour, you know, or for, for a month straight or whatever they have to do. But like they do, but they engage with that in a, in a more joyous way, as opposed to they, they don't, they find joy and meaning and purpose in that road not misery, not I'm going to be miserable on this road and someday it'll pay off. And I think that's, I think it can look the same. If you watch people's behavior hour by hour, like the the way that Federer trained, I think that he's obviously very, very, very driven to where he's prepared to do whatever it takes to achieve the goals he needs to achieve, but that he's doing it because he actually enjoys that process and working that hard and pushing himself that hard and seeing those improvements. And he enjoys that process. I don't think it's because, I don't think he sacrificed his joy for the game to do what he did i don't think so i now it's hard who am i to know what federer's hard? well i think if you it, once you've been an addict long enough you can kind of tell when other people are using using or not yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that federer is yeah. using the way i was using that's yeah. what i think no that's fair that's so fair. i think that there's a way to achieve the goggins output without sacrificing while finding joy in adversity as opposed to accepting misery in the adversity. I think either way, you have to, you have to have a bring on the adversity. I love adversity. I'm going to overcome adversity kind of way. But I think the one way of embracing adversity is to say, I'm going to hate this, but someday I'll be at the top of the mountain and I'll take a selfie and it'll be worth it. The other way is God damn I love it when it's hard. And I, I try to embrace more of I love it when it's hard as opposed to I hate this, but someday it'll pay off.
1: Yeah. I'm just yeah. That's interesting. I'm just trying to think about like what I've I've listened to hundreds of hours of the guy. I'm just <laughs> yeah. trying to think about his retort, or I don't need to defend
0: him. I'm just no, no, no. Yeah,
1: yeah. I just it's interesting, yeah, because I think that uh, it, I think that some of his message, though, Dem, is that he is joyful in that moment, that miserable moment. Fair. Fair. So, so that's it. You know, it's like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I ran far with bad, with a bad leg due to do good goggles. Okay. And it was, I'm trying to think like how much joy was I feeling and how much misery was I feeling and how much pain and then how much of it was the payoff that I knew that I was going to make it that, or that I was not going to give up. Right. Like I could have given up many, many times. And so I'm just trying to think like, how much of how much of that, like the first I've done it twice, I've done 30 twice. And the first time I did it was really bad. And I but I, I got it, I got it done. And part of my motivation was I told a couple people I was going to do it. And I didn't want to like, say, Oh, I stopped, you know, so but it's like, so is it ego? Is it is it? Um, probably, you know, but then part of it is the the joy of like, setting a goal and just fighting through that adversity and not that pain and not giving up. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So, so I'm not exactly sure, Dom, honestly, and I, and I it's like, there that... is, there is ego, but it's like, is it all ego? Is it a percentage of ego? And then
0: all yeah, that. But I don't so... know that that's ego is, is finding purpose and overcoming adversity and saying, I'm not going to let this adversity stop me from doing what I need to do. I, I think that that could be growth and, and perseverance as opposed. And I've thought a lot about, I mean, I've obviously this has been a big part of my life is trying to navigate this. What I would say is this, I think it's I think that not only can you get out of balance both ways, you will get out of balance both ways if you're a competitor. If you are a competitor, you will find yourself on both sides of this. And so I think it's good to know what are the symptoms on each side, and then what levers do you pull when you're out of balance? Yeah, and I think that when you're out of balance on the on the ego side, it's like it's like eating cotton candy, like you said, it's eating cookies. It's like, is it okay to have a cookie? Yes. And so what I think about that is like, if I win a tournament and I have, you know, somebody pay me a compliment, where for okay, i, I just it stuck out because it would, Bert Canister was one of my favorites, and he was down in Chicago when we played that tournament, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh, we had a good run. Uh, you took third, I ended up winning in the finals. We both performed well, and uh, and so Bert Canister walks by, and I told him earlier he was a big hero of mine. He walked by and he said, "Looks like all the money's going back to Minnesota." And anyway, <laughs> and I just remember like that felt really good. And so then the question is, what do you do with that? Because you can like, you can enjoy that like a, like a cookie. You can say that tasted good, or you can like covet that and like put that in a trophy case of compliments. And then in your mind, review those things and every night lay awake and think about all the things that people have said and, 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 and just feed on that. So it's like, you can have a cookie and enjoy the cookie, or you can like eat a box of Oreos. And so I just kind of feel like for me, one symptom that you're out of balance on the ego side is that you're feeding, you know, you're deriving secret pleasure in your quiet thoughts of your mind, feeding on what other people are saying about you or what that guy thought of you or who, how good you looked against that guy or whatever. And, and then the other symptom is that you're miserable most of the time. And you're, and you're, yeah, that you're, yeah, I think that if you're perpetually miserable and then trying to pay yourself off with little fixes of ego feeds that would be a symptom that you're probably putting too much weight into the ego side of things and that's not a you thing that's like it's a competitive thing but it's also a cultural thing i think as a culture we're really really far out of balance that way yeah and i think social media is making it worse i think handicap tournaments are making it worse because it gives people more and more and more chances to like play make-believe and feed on accomplishment and look at me look at me and it's just it's kind of gross to me but anyway that's those are some symptoms that you're out of balance that way any other symptoms besides misery and ego feeding that, that's good no then, the,
1: no i i really think that the misery part is a
0: big one down yeah
1: i do i do because if if you're if you're feeling more joy likely it's less well ego, this this and this ties problems. right
0: into where when I talked about mental game and one of my favorite coaches corners, that I wish everyone would listen to is my, you know, uh, mental game, one and two, uh, part of one, a part of one B or whatever on, on uh, D- a- a- attitude towards adversity on my coaches corner, on my YouTube it's attitude towards adversity. And I basically say, I really think that if you have negative emotions, that that's a sign you're doing something wrong, looking at something wrong. I think that when you're in a good state of mind, you're like happy, present, joyful, And then when you're, when you're fearful, raging or self-critical loading, I think those are signs that you're doing something wrong, looking at something wrong. So, okay. So presence of negative emotions and, and ego feeding. Okay. That's a sign that you're out of balance that way. But then the sign that you're out of balance the other way would be like fake trying missing, you know, not really having enough effort or energy, not having a purpose, not having, you know, not. Yeah, if you find yourself drifting, where you don't have direction, you don't have fire in your belly, you don't have goals that you're striving for that are bringing you, you know, if you're not waking up out of bed with passion to go pursue something that means something to you, and then at the table, you find yourself disengaged to where you're kind of trying, but then yeah, if it doesn't work, eh, I guess it wasn't my and day. As
1: soon as adversity comes up, for me, yeah. like when I faced adversity, I would want to bolt. I'd want to bolt, like I literally wouldn't want to be there
0: this yeah. isn't this isn't fun. I, was just, isn't I wanted it easy. Yeah. So when when people are kind of like when you're kind of like disengaged and directionless, I think that's a, that's an example of when you lack purpose and you and you need and then and then your challenge is and so when you're ego feeding, then, then there's a question of like what to troubleshoot, and how what to do, do when you find yours. So now you know when you're out of balance. If you lack purpose, you, you know you're probably fake trying, and you need some you need more goals and achievement you need more of the goggins element without without sacrificing your joy and then yeah. when you're on the other end when you're on the ego feeding end you need more joy without sacrificing the purpose and the drive and so oh, that those are that's how to know so what how do you can fix it honestly, God. and so then how do you fix it you know and that's but this is and, but you know in the end it's like i feel like we're almost wrapping up our podcast and it's like man this is such a this is not a quick fix this is a lifelong journey yeah and that but at least if, if by talking about it, at least if people understand the journey they're on yeah. and, and you know, maybe they could start figuring it out, you know? Yeah. And, uh, ultimately we all have to find our own path. But I think for me, uh, I think that the answer can be kind of like your answer to hitting center ball. It could be as simple as adjust so that you hit the center. I would say if you're ego feeding and miserable, then the adjustment can be as simple as the one that Josh made, where you say, I'm not sacrificing my joy. I'm not going to, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to put myself in a spot where I'm unhappy and quitting. And that, that's a combination of art strategies. Yeah, yeah. But then on the other hand, if you find yourself directionless and disengaged, fake trying, the answer could be, you know, I'm not going to accept uh, a lackluster performance for myself. I'm not going to accept drifting. I am going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, do some, do some thought as far as where I'm to ask more from myself. How can I ask? What, where, do I, where do I, where do I want to be in a year? And what, what, what am I capable of doing? And now I need to, now I need to demand a little bit more for myself. Yeah. So you can demand some more from yourself if you're disengaged and you can, and you can say without being miserable about it. And then, and then how that plays out at a granular level, that's like a life quest of spiritual pursuit. And, uh, but at least, at least you can know the game you're playing. So I would say that 99% of the people listening to this are probably ego addicts because you and I are, and, and we struggle. And so I think it's a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that we, we, but, but one of the reasons it's important not to get out of balance the other way, the disengaged, not trying way, is because one of the biggest ways that the ego, ref, you know, refused, one of the biggest reasons why people refuse, the, the ego's best defense is, well, you need me to be, make you miserable, otherwise you'll never have any drive. And so you have to be prepared for that. And you have to say, no, I can, I can provide drive and ambition and striving and pursuit because I enjoy that, not because... I'm going to, I'm going to do it because I enjoy it, not because I, I hate it. That's mm-hmm. it. Cool, man. Well, that was a heck of a pod. Thanks for coming over, Josh. That's what was on my mind. Um, yeah. Anything else on yours before we end this thing?
1: No, I just, I'm, I'm glad to, I like our conversations Dumb, And a lot of our conversations are just about starting the conversation and getting people thinking about this stuff. And, you know, if anyone has any more specific questions or want to um, not push back, but like. Asks, I would say email Demi and yeah and, uh, or,
0: mnpoolbootcamp.com info at mnpoolbootcamp dot info at
1: And I think because everyone's experience is so different, but so similar too. It's like I I think if if people have questions, send some questions in, and we'll go over your questions a little bit too. You know, if you're if you're if you hear some of this and you're like, "Yeah, but what about this?" or "I'm stu- I'm struggling with this," can you speak on that? Like, that's totally good. That's fine. That gives us a direction to go yeah, to. Yeah, come at me, bro. Yeah, come. <laughs> at me, bro.
0: Yeah. All right, all right. Thanks, Josh. Well, yeah, uh,
1: thank you. Dan.
0: And hey, we're gonna be in Thanks, Wisconsin everybody. on uh, June 11th. So if uh, at some tournament somewhere, so if, Mad Apple, bro. Mad Apple, Mad Apple. Yes, thank you. Uh, we're gonna be at the Mad Apple June 11th playing some bar table handicap ten ball. Oh, how did they? Anyway, <laughs> how did you rope us into that? I don't even understand. My first bar table handicap tournament for five years, so we're gonna give it a shot. Yeah, be all fair. right. Talk soon.